Well, good morning, church family. I'm excited to be here with you again. I love getting to come back to Emmanuel every year and speak. When your pastor Danny called me a few weeks ago and asked me to come, he said, we're doing something called an espresso shot. And I said, what's that? And he goes, it's a standalone sermon. We're in between series. We're coming off a marriage series. We're going into something next. And we want you just to preach what is on your heart. And I went, well, great. You know, that's awesome. Because the past few weeks, God has been taking me back through some of the golden Hall of Fame scriptures in the Bible. Those stories and those verses that if you've grown up in church, you know by heart and you know the story. Today, we're going to take a look at two of them. But I'm so glad that you're here because I believe God has a message for each one of us today that is super powerful if we will lean in and we will give him our very best. This past August, just out of Portland, Oregon, uh, Roy and Wilma Yoder walked into a restaurant, and when they walked in, there was a huge celebration. There were balloons, there were streamers, there was a standing ovation in their honor. Now, it wasn't because Roy had, was his 81st birthday, which it was. It was because they were at the end of a mission that had taken them almost 40 years. You see, 40 years, Roy had a job out of Nashville, Tennessee, where he would drive RVs, recreational vehicles, to people who had ordered them all over the United States. And Wilma traveled with him. So they would leave Nashville and they would drive. And as they went along, they found this certain restaurant that they really liked. And the name of that restaurant was Cracker Barrel. And they decided, any Cracker Barrel fans out there? Yeah, I'm with you. They decided they were going to make it their mission that they were going to try to eat at every single Cracker Barrel in the United States. Now, for some of you today, you could leave and you have found your life's calling, right? I mean, <laughs> you're there, right? Well, they decided to do this. It took them 40 years, and they estimated they drove almost 5 million miles to do this, but they were able to eat at all 645 Cracker Barrels. That's amazing. And I love what happened afterwards. A local paper caught up with them and, and asked them, you know, why did you guys decide to make this your mission? And Wilma said, well, you know, it just sounded like something fun to do. And she said, and we are Cracker Barrel's biggest fans. That's a great story, and I love it. But here's the point that I want to make is this. I believe that each one of us is a fan of something. Maybe it's a sports team that we follow, and we live and die based upon if they win or lose. Or, or, or maybe it's a TV show that we love. We love it so much, we go home and we binge on it, watch all the episodes of all the seasons, and we talk about it with our friends. And the truth is, if our friends don't watch that show, we're really not sure if we can still be friends, okay? Because we're big fans of it. Or maybe it's a band or a musician that we're fans of. You know, we're watching the Olympics. We're fans of America. You know, I don't know. We're fans of, of, of Diet Coke or sweet tea. We have a lot of things that we're fans of. In fact, as I've been talking about this, you've probably been thinking about something that you're a fan of. I'm a fan of running. I'm a runner. Okay. I love to run. Actually, I need to be honest. I don't love to run. I love the moment when I'm done running, okay? Like when I hit my watch and I'm like, yes, I am done. Like I love having just run, okay? That, that's me. I'm a big fan. But you guys have been thinking about what you're a fan of. So here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to need your help on this, okay? Well, on the count of three, I want you to say loud and proud the one thing or the one person that you're the biggest fan of, okay? You guys ready? Boy, that didn't seem like you were ready. I could... <laughs> There wasn't. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, I can't count to three. So when I count to three, you're going to say it loud and proud. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. Did you notice something? Almost 
everybody in here, except for that guy over there, okay, is a fan of something. We're all a fan of something. When I turned 40, my wife threw a um, surprise birthday party, and she invited our family and friends. And one of the things she did was she took a family picture of ours and had it framed with a giant blank mat around the outside. And she encouraged our family and friends to, to sign their name and to write something encouraging to me. And my friend Austin wrote something on that I will never forget. He said, happy birthday, Michael. I'm your biggest fan. And when I read that, I kind of went... I've got a fan. I mean, it feels good to have somebody that loves you and just can't wait and, and wants to cheer you on. And, and it feels good to have a fan. Well, the truth that I want you to know today is this. Each person in here has a fan. And that fan is God himself. Now you're going, oh, oh okay, Michael. Yeah, that's a good, that's nice. That's, that's why I came to church today. God is my fan, okay? But it's not just me saying it. Let's take a look at a scripture that a lot of people are familiar with. So if you take out your Bibles or open your, your uh, Bible app, or you can read it here on the screens, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. And let's see what, what the Bible says. It says this, What then shall we say in response to this? And what that's referring to is the verses before where it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God works everything in our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for his purpose. So verse 31 says, What what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? So God is for us. Say that with me. God is for us. And it's a rhetorical question. Who Who can be against us? The answer is no one. If God's on our side, no one can be against us. Okay, doesn't that sound great? I mean, that's good. Except for one thing. Each of us have things in our life that we don't understand why they're happening. Each of us have things in our life that are going on right now, and you say, so this is how it feels for God to be for me? Because I've got more debt than I can handle. And my marriage is not where it's supposed to be. And I'm working at a job where I'm the only person doing it. I'm taking all the grief. I mean, this stings. I'm afraid of some stuff. I'm dealing with grief. I have all these issues in my life, and this is the life of God being for me? Well, here's what I want you to understand. God is for you, but everything that happens to you is for a purpose. You see, I believe this, that God uses what happens to you, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's hard, whether it's easy, whether it's neat and clean or it's long and messy, God uses what happens to you to do something in you. See, he uses every example and every experience to do something in you. Do you realize you are the only person like you that's ever lived, is living, or will live? You have the past experiences that you carry with you. You're the only person who has those exact same experiences. So the things that happened when you were growing up, the things that happened in college, the things that happened as an adult, you're the only one. And God uses those things that happened to you to do something in you so that he can fulfill his purpose through you. Do you understand that? It's not by accident that those things happen. 
God allows them to happen to do something inside of us, to make us stronger, to make our roots grow deeper, to help our trust grow in him more, so that we then can accomplish his purposes through us. Now, that's not a very uplifting message, isn't it? Is it? But I want us to take a look at a, a character from the Bible and a story from the Bible in which we see a young man who took some of the curveballs that life threw at him and he used them for God's purposes. So you'll turn over to the Old Testament, it's 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at probably one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's a story about a young teenager named David who went up against a giant called Goliath. Now, let me tell you what's going on. As you're turning there, I want you to kind of set up what's going on. The way that the armies fought in those days wasn't they went into a war room and hit the missile button and bombed each other. It wasn't like in the movies where they run across the field in slow motion and okay, that is not at all how it happened. The way this battle went down was there was a valley of Elah in the middle. And the Philistine army would stand on one side, and they would all line up. And on the other side, the army of Israel would line up. And then they would start yelling taunts at each other. And they would start trash-talking each other. And this is where our story takes place. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, let's start into our story and see what happens. There was a champion named Goliath who was from Gath. And he came out of the Philistine camp, and his height was six cubits in a span. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not really good on math, and that wasn't it. So I pulled out my Old Testament, uh, you know, kind of changing chart there, and found out that six cubits in a span is about nine foot two to nine foot four, okay? Basically, if he played Division I basketball, he could dunk with his nose, all right? He would need, so this is, this is a big guy, and he's not just any soldier, he is a champion, okay? And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor and bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. 5,000 shekels is about 125 pounds. Can you imagine having like 125 pounds, like basically a college freshman, I mean a high school freshman boy on your shoulders? That's what he's walking around with. And on his legs, he wore bronze greaves. They were all the rage back then. But basically, the best I can figure it out is bronze greaves are like metal shin guards. So if you've ever played soccer or had your kids play soccer, that's what it was. So he's got the helmet, he's got the, the, the 125 pounds of mail, and he's got these bronze shin guards and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. And then he had a spear whose shaft was like a weaver's rod, which is really impressive, okay? And its iron point weighed 600 shekels or 15 pounds. So he had the helmet, he had the mail, he had the shin guards, he had the javelin, he had the spear that weighed 15 pounds. And if that wasn't enough, his shield bearer went ahead of him. Okay, this was one bad dude. And so he would stand there, and when he came out, you're looking along the Philistine army, and you're like, five foot ten, six foot, six foot two, nine foot four. You know, he's not hard to miss. Well, let's go on and see what the story says. Goliath stood there, and he shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And, and he tried to say it with a straight face. And you guys are the servants of Saul. Like the Philistines were a real army. It was a career. And as we're going to learn in just a few minutes, the children of Israel, their army were all volunteers. And so Goliath says, choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But in the off chance that I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subject and serve us. And then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
Do you see what's going on here? Every single day, the armies come out and they line up. Every single day, the Israelite army comes to work and they're hoping, well, maybe today will be a little different. Maybe Goliath will call in sick, right? And they line up and all of a sudden they look across and there he is. And he starts trash talking and taunting them and berating them. And he says, look, let's not, me- let's not mess with getting in this whole battle thing. You pick one man. You send him out. We'll go man on man, mano y mano, winner take all. It's the cage match or the valley match of the century, okay? And we will do that, all right? And every single day, they had to stand there and they had to listen to it. So we see our villain, Goliath. Now we get introduced to the hero, David. And it says, now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul in the war. The first one was Eliab, the second born was Abinadab, and the third Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So do you get the picture here? The three oldest sons say, you know what, we've got to defend our country. And so they enlist and they join uh, Saul's army, the Israelite army. But David, he's kind of the baby of the family. And so he kind of stays back and does it. How many youngest kids do we have here? How many, you were the youngest in your family? Yeah, yeah. You ever feel like, Yeah. The oldest ones are going, that's right, they never had to do anything, right? I had to, do, I had to go off to war, and they cut the grass, you know. <laughs> no, I'm sure mom cut it for them, you know. But, but that's what was going on. I mean, so here's, here's the story that we have. And so we're introduced to our hero, the youngest, the, the one that you would never recognize. And then let's flash back to what's going on. It says, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So twice a day for 40 days... Goliath came out and he said, come on, just send one person. Come on. Come on, guys. I know. Just come on. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. For 40 days, nothing changed. But let's see how the story goes on. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit and see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. And they were with Saul, the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So you get what's happening? Dad is saying, hey, why don't you send this care package to your brothers so they don't get hungry? And then send some cheese. Apparently, like, cheese was a big deal in, in Israel. And it was kind of, he was kind of buttering up the commander. You know, in case the fighting got a little rough and tough, maybe he would remember, hey, these three guys are the sons of the cheese guy. And so I want to save them and bring them back and keep them safe because I kind of like that cheese. I want to keep that coming on. So so, so he did that. So here's what happens. The story goes on. Is that early in the morning, David left the flock in care of the shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse, his father, had instructed. And he reached the camps as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his line and he shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. Now let me tell you something. For 40 days, the Goliath had stepped out and challenged the army. For 40 days, nothing ever changed. But on the 41st day, something changed. 
And what changed was David heard it. You see, they had been beaten down, they had been humiliated, they had been belittled. Basically, they were told to just stand there and take it. And they were doing a good job of that. But that day, David was there, and he hears it. And so let's go on with the story. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled for him in great fear. So no longer were they terrified and just dismayed. Now they would run away. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him, will also give him his daughter in marriage, and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now, I don't know how cute the daughter was, but great wealth and tax exemption would be a great motivator personally for me, okay? So so that's what he said. And then David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Okay? And so now we begin to see God's plan is set in motion. Well, let's continue on with what the Bible says. Because when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? Now, do you understand what happened? His first, uh, his first opponent was not Goliath. Who was it? his oldest brother. Sibling rivalry raised its head and basically he said, what are you doing here? Why do you come down here? You ever been like that? If you're a younger, like your older siblings would say, would you quit following me? What are you doing here? I'm trying to work. Can you go home? You know, let mom take care of you. Why have you come here? And David responds and he says, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Okay, so he's just all over him. And David responds like a typical youngest brother. He says, what have I done? Can I even talk? Right? Does it sound familiar? Right? And then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David was talking in ways that no one else in the children of Israel had talked. They had been beaten down. They had been discouraged. They'd basically been sidelined and taken out of the fight. And they were just standing there and taking it. But David hears this challenge and something ignites inside of him that just angers him. Because not only are they making fun of his brothers and the army and his countrymen, but they are defying his God. And so Saul calls him in. And so here's what happens. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight for him. And Saul replied, "Uh, you're crazy. You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior since he was a young man. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion Or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And this, the Lord has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Do you get the picture? This is the general, the commander of the army, calls in this teenage boy. 
maybe 16 years old. All of his warriors, all of his champion fighters have just given up hope. And here's this young boy saying, I don't care. God's been with me with a lion and a bear, and I think I can take him down with God's help because he rescued me then and he'll rescue me now. That sounds crazy if you don't know this one thing. If God is for you, and we've already established that God is for you, don't be afraid. You see, if God is for you, don't be afraid. While the rest of the army was looking at the size of Goliath and all of his, his armament and even his shield bearer, they probably knew his record of fighting, of how he was undefeated. They looked at all that and they say, we can't. And David looked at that and said, you know what? I can't, but with God, I can And when we face the giants in our life, it's important for us to remember that since God is for us, he is with us. And the next thing that we're going to see in the story as we go along is that God is for you. He is all you need. He's all you need. So let's go on. It says, he said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. That's basically the Bible's way of saying, good luck, you know, bless your heart, you know, but go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and he put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened his sword on the tunic and he tried walking around because he was not used to them. So David says, I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with the sling in his hand, he goes out to approach the Philistine. Do you see what's happening? David said, Saul, I can't wear your armor. I'm not used to this. I have to use what what I know and what I believe. And I think when we face our giants sometimes, we tend to rely on other people. We'll go to a counselor and we'll say, what do I do? Just tell me. We'll call our mom or more likely our mom calls us, okay, and says, here's what you need to do. Or we'll we'll get on the internet. We'll try and figure things out. Or we'll try and cope by self-medicating. We'll try and get through these things on our own. And here's the thing. Since God is for you, he all you need. You don't need that stuff. Counseling is good. Medicine is good. Advice is good. But the bottom line is you have to make sure that you're relying solely on God. Because what we're going to see in the rest of the story is this, is that God is for you. God is with you. Let me say that again. If God is for you, he is with you. All right, so let's continue on with the story from the Bible. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. So you get the picture. Goliath and the shield bearer are coming this way, and David's standing here. And he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome, he despised him. Now, I don't know if Goliath was angry that the, Philist, that the Israelite army was sending out a kid or if that he was just a good-looking kid and he was jealous. I'm not sure there. But he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. 
And David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin and a helmet and metal shin guards and a, and a, and a shield bearer. It doesn't say all that, but I'm sure that's what he meant. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his, his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it. And he struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine, and he killed him. But it doesn't stop there. David ran over and stood over the giant champion who was now dead on the ground. And he took a hold of the Philistine's sword, and he drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off the head with the sword. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that story? All of Israel was standing on the valley going, so we're putting our trust in little David? Little 16-year-old? Yeah, I think he's got his driver's permit. I'm not really sure he's a... uh, uh, But we're okay. So if he loses, we're all going to be their slaves? Okay. That's going to be good. And David comes over and just, I think, like a teenage boy, he's not content with just killing him. He wants to kill him and then behead him. And he lifts it up and he's like, yeah, I told you guys. That's right, my older brother. Remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And he, he, holds up the, he holds up Goliath's head. I love that story. Because it's a story. It's a story about how God is all that we need. Because God is for us. Well, But I know what you're saying. You're saying, Michael, okay, like that story's in the Bible, so we know it's going to be a good one, right? It's going to have a good ending, right? And so David's there, you know. Well, or or Michael, I know you're a minister, so you kind of have to believe these things that God is for us and He's with us, and we don't need to be afraid, and He's all I need. But what about me? What about me? Okay, what about my life? Because my life is not exactly like David's. Like I stand across the valley from from these giants and I'm scared. I, I relate more to the Israelite army than I do to David because here's what I believe. I believe each one of us in every row at every campus and even people that are online watching on screens right now, I believe you are facing at least one giant and you stand there on the edge of a valley and the giant is over nine feet tall and he's yelling and screaming at you and berating you and the giant stands over here and he says, look, look, maybe your giant is you're afraid to die and he goes, I'm death. Pretty much, if you haven't checked it out, I'm undefeated except for that one guy, Jesus, but he doesn't count, okay? But, uh, but I'm death. I'm going to take you down. There's nothing that you can do to get away from this. Or maybe it's debt. 
where you just have so much debt and you're just afraid to open your email and go to your mailbox because you owe more than you can ever pay off. And the sitting there goes, hey, have you ever heard of my best friend compounded interest? Okay, yeah, I mean, I will take you down. There's no way you can get it. Why even try? Or maybe it's divorce. You're sitting there and saying, hey, all of your friends are just bailing and getting divorced. Why should you fight for your marriage? Why should you honor marriage? Do you know who I am? Have you seen what I can do in lives? Or maybe your, your giant is fear and you're just afraid and you don't know what's going to happen with your life. And he's saying, hey, look, you can never get around this. You can't figure it out. Who do you think you are? Or maybe your giant is grief. And he says, hey, look, I know it's terrible. You're going to think about this every single day. You can't get over this, under this, around this. It's going to be on you for the rest of your life. And we stand there and we face a giant every single day. What can we do? I say we go back to the Bible and see what God says. Turn back to Romans chapter 8 where we started, verse 31, where it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Boy, that's a nice churchy thing to say, right? But God didn't just say it. God proved it because in the very next verse, let's look and see what he says. It says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also among, along with him graciously give us all things? Do you see what he says? He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he proved it by giving his son for us all. You see, the proof that God is for us is that he allowed his son Jesus to die for us and take our place for our sins. Now, I don't know what, what giant you're staring down. But I'm pretty certain if you're human, you're staring one down. And the message that you need to take with you today is this, that God is for you. God is for you. Yeah, but Michael, you don't understand. You don't understand. You're right. I don't understand. I can only stand the giants in my life. But here's what I also know. I believe that sometimes God puts a Goliath in your life to bring out the David in you. I believe, let me say that again, I believe that sometimes God puts a Goliath in your life to bring out the David in you. And the question you have to decide is this, are you going to be a David? That's the question you have to struggle with. And I would encourage you each to. You know, for some people here, maybe uh, this is your first time to church in a long time or your first time ever. And the giant sitting right over here staring you down and just screaming at you every day is a giant that you created yourself. It's a giant of pride where you stand there and you say, you know what? I've got this. God, I don't really need you. I've got life by myself. I can handle this. I'm smart enough. I'm well connected enough. I've got enough skills. I am going to make it through. My question to you is this. How's that working out for you? How is that working out for you? For some of you, you need to be the David and you need to look that, that giant in the eye and say, you know what, God, instead of running from you, it's time for me to stand for you, to accept for you. That's why today we want to offer those of you who don't know God to have an opportunity to slay the giant of pride and to accept him. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you if you want to accept him to honestly seriously slay the giant of pride and give your heart to God. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father God, 
I thank you so much for your word because it not only tells us that you are for us, but it proves it. And I thank you for a young teenage boy named David who defied all odds and trusted you and slayed the giant Goliath, proving that you are all that we need. Father, I want to pray for those folks that are here today who have not yet accepted you, where that giant is their pride. And my prayer would be that you would slay that giant today. And if you're here today and you want to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to pray with me as I pray this. Father God, I thank you that you are all that I need. God, I've been trying to go through life on my own, and it just isn't working out. God, today I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I ask you to come into my heart. God, help me to be the David that you're calling me to be. In your name we pray. Well, let's celebrate with those people that made that decision today. And if you made that decision, I would like to encourage you to stop back at the starting point counters at each of our campuses back in the corner. And we've got a gift for you. It's a one year through the New Testament Bible because it's a great way to get into God's word. Because I believe that all God's words are true. And this contains everything that we need to know to know about him. But also, even better than that, there are people there who will connect you and answer your questions and begin to walk with you on that journey. Well, we want to close out today by singing a song of celebration. So whether you just prayed that prayer or you've been a believer for many, many years, we're gonna sing a song about how great God is and that God is for us. Do you believe that, church family? Do you believe it? Yeah. So will you sing as we close out?